This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. future friends, haters, and ex-lovers, welcome back to another episode of Crimes of the Heart. I'm your host, Rory Uphold. And in addition to the crazy crimes we cover on this podcast, I also like to have conversations with experts. And today, I have one of the most prominent love advice columnists in the country. Today's special guest, has been the editor of the Love Letters column for the Boston Globe for over 14 years. She's currently the host of the Love Letters hit podcast, which is coming up on its seventh season. She's also an author with four books under her belt, a vampire enthusiast, a cheese lover, and most importantly, the friend that I go to when I need love advice. I'm talking about none other than Miss Meredith Goldstein. Welcome to Crimes of the Heart. It's really good to see you in the flesh. Thank you for having me in person. I love it. For those that don't know, you are a love columnist for one of the most prestigious newspapers in the country. It's the Boston Globe from the movie Spotlight. But I am not on the Spotlight team. Yeah, I am the relationship advice columnist and have been for 14 years. That's Uh, insane. It is. Uh, And you're my personal. Well, I would say right back at you. But yeah, no, I started in actual journalism and then started writing an advice column like 2009. And yeah, I think it's really interesting that a lot of people who do reporting and talking to people about other stuff and news and other stuff wind up becoming advice columnists like most of them. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, I think they ran in newspapers for so long, like back in the day. So there was already this built in thing of that's where you worked. But I I think it's my advice columnist friends, and I do have advice columnist friends, they always talk about how what a great business to be in, because everybody's always going to like get dumped and be sad doesn't go out of business. That is very, very you know, as as things go up and down, you know, no matter what's happening in the world, heartbreak is and confusion is going to be it persists. Misery persists. 
exists. Misery It's persists. a good business to be in. So why do you think you were drawn to this? I had been writing, like, I'm going to sound super old right now. And I should just right off the bat say I am 45 because I don't like when people talk about their age and like, you're like, what could they be? And, and it just gives you a place in time. So I've been working at the Globe really for 20 years. And wow. right around 2005, still in my 20s, mm-hmm. this is like a long time ago, I was writing a lot of stories about new technology. So online dating was becoming apps slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, this is pre-swiping. This is like social media was just starting. And Facebook actually at that point had recently become public to non-college students. So that's how old we're talking. Like this is social network era movie stuff. Wild. And had I, you ever used any of those dating sites? No, when they were websites, my experience with it was that my mother had because she had been divorced and she went from in her 40s doing the like the old school ads in the back of magazines where you would do your like, mom had ads in magazines. Well, it wasn't like a sexy thing then. Like no, you it could doesn't do sound sexy. It was not sexy. And you only had a certain number of characters. So it would be like, you know, s- abbreviations for like single mother of two close to Washington, D.C. SM2. Ni- <laughs> nice. Right. And it was like by the end, like and she actually met some people that way. But my wow. mother. My late mother, who was wonderful, was also really good at meeting people in person. Like she was. Yeah, she had game. She had super game. So she was just fine. I didn't meet her, but I read the book. She she had game. So but yeah. So I and then I saw her go on sites and do J-Date and do Match. And so I really sort of saw what it was like then. And it worked. It did. And I sometimes and you know, it's like, I think what did work about that then that doesn't work for people now is you went on your desktop computer, you did this for a half an hour, and then you closed it and then you made dinner. So there was no I'm going to swipe for four hours while watching TV shows because it was at a desktop. I think this was even before she had a laptop. It was you would not have been doing like it more all night. ceremonious. Then you were done. So mm-hmm. and we can get into this. But one of the biggest problems I get when people write into the column is about dating fatigue. That would not have happened then because you just could not sit there all night. So yeah. And so then it became I watched in the column. So I had been writing a lot about different ways people communicated online and dated. And but as a news reporter, as a journalist, as a journalist focusing on relationships. And I wrote I remember one of the stories I loved writing was about how Facebook had ruined high school reunions because all of a sudden you could see who got hot and who didn't get hot. Who was divorced. Like it used to be like you see in the movies sometimes like, oh my gosh, we showed up and it's like Romy and Michelle and like totally Chad got hot, right? Or Chad. I feel like Chad was always hot. He was just like, right. Chad's the one that normally came back worse. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Sorry, Chad. Well, I have one Chad Chad. in my life. I hope he's not listening. (laughs) He's not from my high school, but it was those kinds of stories. And then I wrote about there was a brief period where if you deleted someone from your phone, people suddenly didn't have landlines. I mean, again, I'm sounding like a grandmother here, but this is not that long ago. And so if you deleted like a guy from your phone, he could be gone forever because there also wasn't all of these. There was no LinkedIn. There was no LinkedIn. So and no like ways to find people just through Google. Right. So then all of a sudden, all of those things seemed really outdated. And then it was like, I would notice that people would email me as a reporter and be like, you did this story about texting, which was new. And they'd be like, can I ask a woman out by text? Now, hilariously, I would always write back like, I'm a journalist. I'm not like weighing in on this. And then I would be like, but here's what I think. Right. And that's when I went to the Globe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, for those you might be from Boston, if maybe you've been to Boston, people from Boston, and I'm from Maryland, so I'm not from Boston, are so into Boston that I was like, why doesn't Boston have its own advice column where it's people in your backyard because they all know each other. They're all like eight degrees of Wahlberg. Everybody would read this because it's like a voyeuristic kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we started with that and now the audience is much more national, but it's actually a great market to start an advice column in because everybody was like, oh, sad in Somerville. I probably know her. (laughs) 
it's like I this is it's such a small town city yeah and so that yeah so we started and now 14 years later I feel like this like elder stateswoman kind of advice mm-hmm. columnist where I'm like oh I can see what changed how the audience changed what problems changed well how how has it changed some things are always going to be like getting dumped will always be hard yes. breaking up with someone will always be hard and I have gone back to like advice columns from your like from the early days and people talk about things like being ghosted they don't use that word obviously because mm. it's like 1910 or whatever like but there are these things are are you know unrequited unreturned right um like love I do remember reading an old Yiddish advice call from way back in the day and some kept calling somebody a bastard and I realized they meant like literally literally not just like not a dick not, just not like a dick someone like, that didn't have a mom right. okay <laughs> somebody wow. that was like born out of wedlock I was like oh god so some things are always going to be the things snooping is always going to be a thing uh, mm. I'm sure that goes from reading somebody's journal to 14 years ago it was a lot of people breaking into each other's emails and wow. uh, accounts and I think that's you because break in? well I think some of it was that it was easier to do because there weren't as many two-factor this. I was like, didn't you just have to hit on? Yes, but it was that much easier to... Yes, a yeah. lot of people logging in, but there weren't like, oh, now you need a code that comes from the phone. Right. And that still happens, right? It's a, a lot of, oh, I accidentally saw this. I'm like, you didn't accidentally see anything, right? So snooping is always sure. a thing. And if you snoop and see what you feared you might see, mm-hmm. it's this constant battle of which was worse, the thing or the snooping. I just had this with a friend. It's a so friend, bad. Uh, had this instinct that her boyfriend was talking to his ex and she was sleeping downstairs. He was sleeping upstairs. He was up in the the middle of the night his phone's not locked and she woke up and and just had this feeling and the phone I don't know if the phone lit up or if she grabbed it but either way she looked through and lo and behold that's exactly what he was doing was talking to his ex which she then would find out he had gone through and was covering his track so it was like even worse oh wow I don't, I am like really too lazy to cover up a lot of lies. So I'm always wondering like, why not just break up with the person you're with and do the thing you want to do? But that's a whole other thing. I don't understand the duplicity that is involved in, but I know, I I know that it happens and I, but I'm always like, just like, dude, just, I mean, like I've definitely liked multiple people at one time. I've never been in a relationship and then done that. That's just. Once you get into like having to, I don't have the discipline to remember a lot of things that are lies at once. So I will blow that immediately. So I'm always like, oh my gosh, all that extra work to erase this and like, you know, so yeah, yeah. So that snooping slash cheating is another one. Been consistent. Yes. But I will say that Mm pre-COVID, the number one problem that had, it just rose to the top from out of nowhere was dating fatigue of people writing in and being like, I am so sick of this. This process is exhausting. And it wasn't like that. Beforehand. It was absolutely not. No, what was I the mean, number one problem prior to. Um, pro- I mean, snooping was up there. Snooping, but also there was a lot of I can't find anyone. There was is the grass greener people coupled being like, uh, which is interesting because I think I can't find anyone and is the grass greener has combined to dating fatigue. Yes, because if you don't have a thousand faces in front of you, it is you know it's that feeling of I think of it as a Sex in the City problem, and I only bring that up not to date myself again, although it's come all the way back around and just like that it's come all the way back around but you see these shows in the media where everybody gets a new opportunity every episode where there's someone interesting that's a good story Mm -hmm. you know and 
then you get into a certain kind of adult life and you're like, oh, well, suddenly it's been four weeks and there's been no movement or I'm just messaging. And, you know, eight years ago, there just like wasn't the amount of people online and there weren't it wasn't easy as easy to find them. So but it wasn't a job. And I think people as of like maybe 2015, 16 were like, oh, God, I've been doing this so much and I've been on so many dates and it's possible some of them were better than I thought, but I can't Mm. even evaluate that because I went in so exhausted by the whole process and like not trusting and for a good reason and they're tired and they know they've got something tomorrow and it's this inertia. And what's fascinating is that then COVID hit Mm -hmm. and everybody had to just, for the most part, I mean, not everybody stopped, but some Some people started. Some Yes, some people started, but we'll get to that. Well, we will. Yeah. But (laughs) at least for those first two months, some people had to take a break. Yeah. And I think that my friend would was a person who worked for the state of New York to call and let people know that they had tested positive for COVID. And she had to juggle a lot of mistresses and girlfriends of people who were cheating, which is crazy because not that there was an NDA, but it was protected information. And the amount of time she spent on the phone trying to convince predominantly men that she wasn't legally allowed to tell his wife about the mistress or the girlfriend. It's crazy town. I don't even know for people having affairs like what that did. I mean, I I did get some letters about that. And I definitely got a lot of wait, we were just about to move out because we're getting a divorce. And now we have to sit here and look at each other. Mm. So everybody was sort of stuck for a bit. But for some people, they would write to me and say, all I needed was permission to not do this for six weeks. So meanwhile, there was this horrible tragedy in the world. But it was like reset for some people. Yeah, because a lot of the dating fatigue, it's not even so much that I was being told, oh, I'm lonely. I wish I could meet someone. It was I feel like every hour of my life must be spent being productive. So if I'm not working and I'm not actively engaged with friends or... Then I should be trying to find somebody to date. And there's no downtime at that point. So suddenly people like that were given this, oh, you're off the hook. You don't have to be doing anything. In fact, the public health thing to do is not to do anything. Mm. I also think that like the whole shifting to like, I'm going to talk to somebody on FaceTime or Zoom was so helpful to some people who were like, especially like in places like LA where it's just like hard to get places. Like I don't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to like pay for anything and I can just exist and be and no one knows what pants I'm wearing or not wearing. And then it's like, so there was actually a bit as things were opening up again where I didn't get dating fatigue letters because people at that point were they had rested and then they were like grateful to be able to go out now I'm getting them again now now it's back. now we're back now we're back and I'm also getting so many letters from people who are like now is the time for a life change because mm. when this whole thing started in 2020 I remember talking to some anthropologist type people and, and uh, sociologist people about what happens after something like this because at that point like China suddenly had a divorce spike and it turned out that was more clerical and like you can't file for divorce if you can't go to the office. So everybody went at once at that point. Okay, I think is what happened. It wasn't it, really it. a but these people said that they had studied towns where there were hurricanes or like big natural disasters. And I said, Are there gonna be a big jump in breakups, divorces? And she said there'll be a jump in everything. Anything jump people were everything. waiting to do, retire, okay. have a kid, get divorced, get married. You just are like, Oh, any terrible thing can happen at any time and I didn't feel entitled to things and now I feel entitled to just do the thing. Right. So that's what I'm I'm getting a lot of now, which is that like, I want to move. I like missed out. Now I just want to move ahead. Interesting. How do you think the audience has changed? Of the column? Yeah. It's grown. And now with the podcast, like those people are different. I can. So there's like three audiences. There's the podcast people who come in to read the column. There's the online people who've been reading it for a long time. There's more national people who found it because they're looking for advice columns. And then what's hilarious is like, 
the Globe is a, still a newspaper, right? Yeah. And it's got a lot of print readers. And especially for the reason I said that Boston people love Boston, they'll pay for that. So then I get these people that have literally read it in a newspaper and then write their email to the local advice columnist. And I love those letters because they skew a lot older. So I would say that of the advice columns that exist in the world, I probably skew really wide and weird. A lot of people... That fits for you as a person. Wide and weird. Yeah. Well, not wide, but... <laughs> But today is not my day with words. but, But it is like a lot of people assume, even at the Globe, they assume, oh, everybody who reads Meredith's column is like a 28 to 32 year old woman who is whatever. And that might be more of the podcast audience. I think it's probably more focused to that demographic in a lot of ways. But the great thing is like you can be on a website that where you can get like Red Sox scores and then click on this and you can passively be a fan of an advice column. And so we get a lot of like a lot of so many men will say to me, well, I'm not your demographic. And I'm like, dude, as it turns out, you, you are, are my demographic. You are yeah. for the column. Yeah. So yeah. I think over time, it's just become more national. I think it's some woman told me the other day, I grew up with your column and I tried not to like cringe and turn into a puddle because I don't want anybody who have grown up with me because that means I am. You're like, fuck. I was I like, how so old am I? <laughs> what the yeah, hell? like, what the fuck? So, yeah, but it's, I think some people have grown up with the college. Why? Okay, we were talking about advice because yeah. in my group of friends, I'm go to for advice. The irony kills me. And obviously, that's your job. I mean, people around the world come to you for advice. What do you think makes for good advice? I think it took me a long time to realize that people are not just going to do what you tell them to do. Oh, I know. It's so fucking annoying. And and I won't do what somebody tells me to do. Also annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's, no, it's true, right? So then at that point, what are they asking? So... I have definitely made some mistakes in my 20s, especially telling people what I thought they should do. I have or being honest, being honest and maybe not because honesty can be very good. But like I have learned that your goal as an advice giver with friends, with loved ones, with strangers is to like help them figure out what they know to be true. Mm. So I only recently realized that a person in my life who had come to me with a lot of issues about her career, I realized that I was sort of telling her to stay in that career because it it made me comfortable she was in it and I thought it was a cool career but sometimes it's like I think I know what's best and I don't so every now and then it's such a good thing not to be the just do this I'm just going to tell you what to do because what if you're wrong and what if they do follow your advice so I think it's sort of about question asking it's about a lack of judgment or saving that external judgment for when it really counts and also understanding that everybody's got some weird path they're going to take to the next next experience so even if it's you know I've I've had a lot of advice from my sister over the years like mm-hmm. but I'm like oh well what she's doing now might not be what she's doing next and it doesn't mean she has to get to the perfect place next so I think the best advice is sort of having somebody say it and that by the way I learned from being an advice columnist because usually when people write in I can highlight one sentence that is the answer in their mm-hmm. own letter Whoa! so it's that whole That's like crazy. yeah it's like they're like I love by the way when somebody writes an 800 word letter and 700 words of it is like about how terrible their boyfriend is and 100 words is like but I still love him I love him we once had a great sandwich what should I do and I'm like well I can say to you seven of 800 words of this letter are complaints and you've chosen this you've edited this letter yourself for me Mm. so there are so many giveaways that these people give and I think our own friends and family tell us things too yeah by the way they tell us what they choose to omit and obviously if you're worried about somebody's 
mental health and safety. Like that's one thing. But for the most part, I've had to learn as I get older that, you know, if a friend of mine like dates an idiot, maybe that's this is for a while, like what they want to do. And okay, let's see how this goes. Why are you doing this? How does it feel? You know, like asking a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 hard when your friends are dating people you don't like. Oh, my God, that's brutal. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, my God, in my 20s, there it's so weird. And I hate to keep it in my when I in my youth, but it is true. Like, there were a lot of people who coupled up with people in their 20s or early 30s. And I was like, oh, my God, this person, I don't want to spend time with them. I don't like them. And some of these people I like a lot now, or they've been incredible partners or incredible parents to kids. And some of the people like I have a friend I went to college with, and I loved her ex-boyfriend. And I honestly, if I were trapped on an island, he'd be a great friend to hang out with there. But looking back, he was not a great partner. He was just cool as shit and great to me. And seemingly great to her, but not for a life. No. So I am surprised now about how things shook out. That's interesting. And and I also think I'm just the biggest thing I think is when I started this column, I was like people who are in relationships for a long time. I'm like, ugh, whatever. They don't know. They don't know how hard it is. And that is absolutely true. However, now I'm like, oh, that looks so hard. These people who've been together 10 years or whatever, I'm like, oh, that takes a different... I I just had this conversation this morning and I said, I'm just ready to swap out the hard. It's the... A different kind of hard. Yes. One hard for the other. Yeah, And that is... Navigating love and dating or finding the person has its own challenges and then being in a relationship has their own challenges. It's just which set of challenges do you feel like dealing with at the moment? Yeah, and how much, I mean, I got to a place and and COVID really clarified this where if you get to a place where you were truly like, I love being single and it lasts a long time where you're really like, oh, if I met somebody, that'd be cool, but I love this. Mm-hmm. That's where I was at the start of the pandemic and all these people would check in and they'd be like, oh, you live alone, you're by yourself, it's so hard and COVID. And- I feel like we need to give people some background oh. because if people don't know you, they don't know that you were single for like seven years. I was single for a really long time, So, which is of course like a great irony of being a relationship columnist and a friend of mine who was was also one she's you know much older she's in her 80s now but she was married four times so her thing is like listen none of us are getting it right it doesn't mean we can't give good advice but I was like monumentally single for a long time and I would be set up with people but I just I had known you for approximately four years because we met at TIFF when I was doing promo for Bodied and so it was like three or four years and in that entire time I did not know you to go out with a single person i would i think about one blind date i was set up on and if sir if you're listening i apologize also sir if you're listening lol lol great it's good to have good 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 for you good choices dm me please right uh no Uh, you don't want that but he no he was great but i was on this date and i can't tell you that anything was particularly wrong and i was just like i would so much rather be watching tv hanging out with a friend and i all of a sudden was like i have to go because i have a friend who's going through a breakup and i have to and i I have to get out of here and basically i had waited what i thought was an hour because i thought 20 minutes in i was like i'm done yeah probably five minutes in, i was done but I was like, I'm going to I'm going to give this an hour because that is what good people do. And this person has done nothing wrong and he's an attractive person. And finally, I was like, I got to go. I did my thing. I get into the car. I had been on the date for 35 minutes. Shut up. And I was wait, like, Meredith, that's shorter than my shortest date. What's your shortest my date? My shortest date is hold on. Wait, it was 47 minutes. A quick note to say that that is not true. In fact, if you've been listening to this podcast, you would know that the shortest date I ever went on was discussed in the episode where Hunter March guests. 
That's right, I went on a date with a man who told me that his parents were flat earthers, which was shocking. But moreover, he told me that his parents are anti-gay, and that was a bridge too far for me. Anyway, I just wanted to clarify that 47 minutes is in fact three times longer than my shortest date. Okay, let's get back to the episode. Meredith, that's shorter than my shortest date. What's your shortest date? My shortest date is, hold on, wait. It was 47 minutes. Oh, to me, that would have felt like at that point in my life, that's almost a full episode of a drama with commercials on a major network. it felt like an episode of a drama, except I was the one that was being held captive. I was in the drama and I needed someone to come save me. And you want to know what I did? What did you do? Well, first of all, I'm going to hell. So let's just get that out of the way. Sure. I fucked up. So I swiped and this guy, was really funny and that's how he got me and you know yeah, that's how, that's that's how they a, get you oh I got mm. tricked I really got tricked because the photos you gotta go by the ugliest photo on the profile mm. and he had a lot he had one good photo and then a lot of them were very confusing and I just thought you know what he's really funny I'm going to do this. And I forgot to FaceTime ahead of time. So I sat down and was like, oh, this is the ugliest man I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, no. Oh, man. That's a huge title. Yeah, it's a huge. It's I'm sweating. Um, So he had eyebrow hair that came out like a shelf. Oh, my grandfather used to have that. He had ear hair. Okay. He had three haircuts on one head. (laughs) He had side bangs. Shaved in the back, but then he had like a a hole at the top of his head. I can't believe you didn't stay for hours because this sounds like a Jim Henson kind of experience that I just want to, I want like, I want it in 3D. I want it all night. He had like warts on his nose. Again, I realize like I'm going to hell. This is awful. I will also tell you he was wearing a lanyard. A lanyard, as if he had just come from like a convention, and I was too scared to see. Wait, what was it there said. like a name? Oh, you didn't. <gasps> I didn't even look at the lanyard. I just sat down and was like, "Oh, I have made a terrible error. Like th- this series of events has led me to this moment, and this is not it." It was so late. I was so tired, and there were two girls at the bar who kept turning around and looking at me to see what was going on. People in the restaurant were like, "What is happening?" This is amazing. It was awful. And I immediately had this moment where I was like, you're such a little cunt. Like this guy, who cares? What if he is the coolest, smartest, funniest person? TLDR, he was not. Okay. He was not. He let me know (laughs) out the gate some things that were very upsetting. I don't know that I want to like say because I don't want to reveal it. But basically, he told me about a situation where he could have saved a child and chose not to because he didn't want to lose his job. So I then was like, okay, the ugly's coming from the inside out. It's coming from the inside out. I got to get out of here. And I just started compulsively yawning, just yawning. I was yawning like every, to the point where he had to comment on it. And then I had to be like, oh yeah, I'm just... Wow, I'm just so tired. I just had to get up at five this morning. I, I, and you made it 47 minutes. I know. And I also only took two sips of my drink. And I was like, I can't do this. And then he said, well, I don't want to hold you hostage. And I was like, yeah, that seems like a good plan. exact right word. But then I, he goes, well, I mean, if you would agree to see me again, I could let you go. And I was like, okay, yep. And then I got out of there and I ran. I FaceTimed my friends and they're on FaceTime. And I was just running in the street. That is, anyway. Anyway, that's my shortest date. I might challenge you later at some point to draw me a picture of this man. Because... Oh, I can show you this man. Okay, I didn't unmatch okay. him because so many people have wanted to see. Okay, okay good, good. I yeah. mean, I feel bad and I am I will be in hell with you, but listen. Listen, 
now that you know that he also has done some not great yes. things, it made me feel a also, lot. Also, he could be out there being like, ugh, I, went out, I once went out with this woman who was so tired. By the way, <laughs> he does not know my real name because I refuse to tell him my real name. So the only plus side is he's never going to find this show. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. I have no idea what we were talking about. I don't either, but I, because now I just I'm just picturing three really haircuts. Scarred. I'm, I'm so Oh, yeah, happy. the three haircuts is crazy. Um, so anyway, you were single for the longest time. I was like, single for and, the longest happy. time. And so happy. And I think also, I mean, I should also mention that my mom was sick and had cancer and you know so I was like I had other priorities during part of that where I was like I, that's like one more fucking thing I don't want to deal with is like dating and I also I dated a lot in my 20s and I had relationships in my 20s and younger and I was definitely one of those people I had like a boyfriend every year in college pretty much or at least a romantic interest but when I got into my 30s I was just kind of like Ugh. and also I felt like it was a trap and this is hmm. something I've had to talk a lot about in therapy which is that I was like some guy is gonna show up and turn out to be mediocre but I will wind up coupled and I don't want to repeat mistakes I had seen of like then that becomes the priority mm. so there's this weird so your fear was you're gonna be walking along smack dab into Mr. Mediocre fall in love with or, Mr. Or Mediocre mi- Mr. and then he was gonna like suck you drive your or youth. even Mr. Right because I was like like, oh. I'm not I'm not even as interested in Mr. Right as I am in career stuff and building a community. And it just wasn't I didn't really know how to do things halfway in that sense. So I was like multitask. Yeah, yeah. Where I was like, I just don't really want to deal with that right now. And this seems like a good time to focus on writing or whatever else. And I, mean, I had great four books. You have a I got yeah, stuff done. thriving career. And I was around a lot of journalists, a lot of women who felt similarly. And if they were in relationships or dating, it was like the third priority. And, you know, that would change as they got into their 40s but they were definitely I remember a friend of mine got pregnant at 30 and I was treating her like it was like a teen pregnancy and she's like I'm 30 she's like I think I'm supposed to do this right now but I'm like no one at work was thinking about that at that age so it was also who I was around but in my 30s I was like I don't want I don't really want to deal with this so I would occasionally you know be set up with somebody or whatever I never as I did the column I was telling people you got to get out there you got to swipe you got to do all this stuff and I was like except I don't have to sorry and then I got you ever want to get married I never wanted to get married and I you knew never that wanted from a young age. From a young age, and I never wanted kids, which I also knew. And people would say up until my late thirties, "Oh, you you might change your mind," and I and and they were right. I might have changed my mind, but then I didn't. <laughs> so, which works out. It's funny when they stop saying it. Like at forty-one, they just stopped saying it. Wow, that's what the, they. That's the age, okay? Because they're basically like, "God, I hope you don't change your mind." because I'm stressed for you. Oh, no. (laughs) Like, if I had changed my mind, it would have been harder at that age. But I felt, I remember when I turned 40, feeling this great relief of, I did it. I didn't fuck it up. I didn't accidentally prioritize the thing that was not my priority. So that might be the opposite of what some, a, a lot of, people Your letter feel. writers yeah so and I had to come to terms with the fact that easy for me to say oh you've got time because these people wanted they were better at multitasking and they were saying I can have a partner and do my job and and that's okay but it was really during that first year of pre-vaccination of COVID where I was like everybody's checking in because they think I'm lonely and I'm isolated by myself and in fact I'm having the time of my life because I am my own best date and that made me feel really guilty and then I would also look at them and they're trapped together and they love each other but it's hard and then I thought you know you know what's hard having to pick a couch with someone that's hard I get to pick whatever couch I want when I buy a couch so I think I'm not saying it's not hard to be single and that it's not exhausting and it is all of these things. But I now also because of the column have a much better appreciation of even in the best relationships, 
it's still hard sometimes. Of course, yes. So, and, right, and one is not superior, but it, it, it took a while to get to the place of being like, oh, one of these paths is not superior and easier than the other. Mm. Or one, I don't get as many special points for doing it by myself. When I bought a place, I, you know, I felt like I... That is a real strong moment, I think, where a lot of single people feel like, oh, you, you all did this with two incomes and I did this with one. And what do I get? Right. I, what do I get to register for? Right. And yeah. now I'm like, you know what, though? Like, I don't need anybody in my house. So it's hard. It's hard. But yeah, it really. So then what? Well, one thing first. Do you think your fear of getting distracted by a romantic partner or the fear of m- mediocrity has anything to do with watching your mom constantly? date? I think that my mom and my sister were were always like, they were more interested in in love. Yeah. And, you know, yes, but I have learned a positive thing, Mm -hmm. which is that I always thought, oh, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes. And that's what it is. It's a fear of making choices that my mother made that I don't like. You know, she had a marriage that did not work to my dad and, and she had two engagements that also ended she had a great time but it was it sure, was difficult there's also it, pain there a lot, a of, lot pain. of pain a lot of disappointment and yes so it was avoiding that but there's another piece of it I hadn't thought about until more recently which is that my mom was a piano teacher and because she was like one of the first people on the block to get divorced it's like trendsetter <laughs> we had a lot of people who were like oh single mom helping us out all these families the piano student families all these community people I mean she taught everybody's kid so what she showed me was you may not be able to count on a partner forever and that person might bring you misery or whatever but you can count on community but community is great community is awesome you always have like some rando place to go for Thanksgiving and they serve cool food and you always get to be a special guest star and you can have friends so she actually, actually done scientific studies on that that the relationships that ultimately end up being the most important at the end of your life are, at least for women, their female friendships. Yes. And and my mom didn't even, just because we lived in like a more rural suburban area where there was less, and she taught piano at night, it was less opportunity for strong, close female friendships. She had a few, but it was just like neighbors and mm. families who she taught. And so... I think I was, yes, trying to avoid what I perceived were mistakes. She would have said that, well, had she not married my dad, I wouldn't exist. So how can you call it a mistake? But it was more like, I think I'm trying to emulate what I liked about her life. She was the house. We were the house where everybody came to have sleepovers. All my friends wanted to come over to my house and we would eat candy and stay up all night talking. So I want to be the place where people have sleepovers and eat candy all night. So I think there's a lot of positive that I'm imitating as well. And it's, I think the big question I've had to answer for myself is, can all of that exist while partnered does a partner ruin that right spoiler alert you do get on the apps during covid and you do meet someone and you are now coupled so yeah so and this is what you know you talk about being a person who people go to for advice and you know for anybody listening rory is somebody who as i was like oh maybe i will go online and like do an app rory was one of I think three people that knew I was going to do this. And, and you know, I think we all go to different people for different kinds of advice. When I'm just we... laughing because I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I threatened you. Yes. And so yeah. this to, to, that, to that point, I think we, we seek advice from people who we know might not just in a negative way validate what we need, but also might, yeah, like might be the push we need or the comfort we need. And it was the three people I talked to and Rory specifically, it was the exact right person to be like, go do this. 
And what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. And I would play that out with you. What is the worst thing that can happen? And you would be like, go on for a minute. Go on for two minutes. I would do these like short little spurts of being online. And Meredith would make a profile. Yeah. She would go, she would activate it for maybe 30 minutes. It's like an eclipse. Swipe. It was like a... Four times and then make it... Private. private immediately which is not how one does this because the odds no. of meeting people are lower but what it did do was probably it was probably more like that original my mother on a desktop doing this for 20 minutes because it was a limited amount of time it's kind of like I was accidentally doing the kind of apps that only give you like three options a day kind of you I also ab- probably yeah. fucked with the algorithm because you know they throttle the amount of matches you get if you're on more or less if you're on more if you're on more oh I, I just control like- it in general so it's incentivized in the same way dating apps and social media are created in the same algorithms as gambling because it's an intermittent reinforcement. So it's giving your brain intermittent hits of dopamine, which is why it makes it harder to quit. But you might match with the guy that you really like, but they might not show you guys each other immediately or you might match immediately, but he might not get it till three or four weeks from now. One weird thing that I thought was happening, which might not be real, is that if I didn't do it, let's say, for five days or have my thing public for five days, Mm -hmm. and then I'd make it public for 15 minutes, I felt like I was getting cooler, hotter dudes right in the beginning. That makes sense. Yes. Like it's incentivizing you of like, look, if you and then I'd be like, are things getting worse as I go? Or am I just getting tired? No. So I might have like gamed the system accidentally because I felt like by going on and off and on and off, I would be like, yeah, it was just weird. Like I'd be like, who are these? Also, it's like these were people who did not look very bossed and no offense to my city but I was like these people have been shipped in from some casting agency for like hot single people and then it would like decline so Mm -hmm. but it was weird so I did it for a little bit and I matched with looking back I actually matched with a bunch of people that I talked to I did not go out I mean it was pre-vaccine so like I took a walk with a guy but you know I I zoomed with people two before your boyfriend right yes and one guy was one was a fan (laughs) yeah one guy was a yeah one guy and that was the other thing it's like Boston's such a small town city that people would be like I had did not have my full name I did not have my place of business was like half my name and writer and some people would be like love your column and all it made me think was like if I'm recognizable in my own city for this column, like I should make more money. That's what I tell people at the globe. All well, that's what that I also think me. it's it's. I'll try and be really careful about the way that I say yeah. this, but I I remember that was one of the things that really held you back. Yes, from because getting back out there. I didn't want to be trolled. I didn't want to be. It's it's especially it's hard to be a woman on the internet, as you know very well. It's also hard to be a relationship writer who is seeking a relationship online. Yeah. I was concerned a commenter might put up my whole profile. And, you know, some people say, oh, this is paranoid, but it's not. I mean, it's just the way the no. world works. There and are I... some like very notable people in Boston who have reputations for being dickheads, especially towards women. And that's yeah. not, that's like what they do. Yeah. So. so I just was like, I don't want, I don't want that. So that's why I kept making things private as well. So yeah. So I talked to a bunch of people and it was also in those COVID times where like one guy, we would just go back and forth about like dishes we liked. Or, like there were some people I only spoke to and there was clearly no romantic intention as in like like he, china or yeah so in, like, he had food? he had a picture of himself no <laughs> dishes literal dishes he had a picture Meredith, of himself you're a nerd <laughs> yes uh, he had a picture of himself in probably his kitchen and we matched and i was like oh my god those are great plates and i'm not someone who notices interiors that much mm-hmm. and he was like let me tell you where i got them and he was quite a bit younger than me and we went back and forth about what he was doing in boston and it did feel like a weird summer camp kind of time of people were just coming out of things or anticipating an easier time. So I think I got like a weird COVID dating experience too of what are you doing? No, what are you doing? Like people were not busy. Insight and it made it easier to help 
write your column? It did. It did. I've swiped for so many friends and I have even without short of catfishing some other person mm. and answering for them, I have communicated with people. With oh, yeah. Friends. You, you know, I, yes. I'm a big ghostwriter in my community. Rory is like, you should, it should be a service for hire of like, reel it in. So, <laughs> but I, I knew that, but seeing, it was also just interesting to see what people, even which picture they liked of my Hinge profile, which is mm. the thing. What did they say? One thing I learned was that with Hinge, one of those questions you can answer is, I'm over competitive about if they say everything swipe I feel like if you even pick that question it's a problem it's out for me because I'm overly competitive about nothing Mm -hmm. I'm too fucking lazy so learning about how you know how people frame themselves themselves. yeah Yeah. and I hadn't thought about it as critically because you don't as much when you're swiping for somebody else what I was really thinking is would my friend like this person Mm -hmm. whatever but I was really thinking about oh here's how I am filtering this and so the person who I am now with interestingly enough I don't even know when we matched during this but there was no momentum. I had already like given up sort of where I was like, ah, oh, now it's winter in Boston and I don't know when vaccines are coming. We would, it was like a one message when I look back, one message a week. And then it was like, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you doing? And then it, and it wasn't until I was like, I need to clear the cash here. And I had a Zoom with a guy. I, <laughs> I matched with this guy and I told Rory, like, this guy has a V. And by that, I mean, he was very in shape and had that V in his waist area. What do you call it? What are the m- bones and muscles? And you know what I mean? He's yeah, a V. No, I, yeah, I, I know what we're talking yeah. about. The V I, points to your penis. It's yes, like, yes. yeah. So this guy who was like somehow two years older than me and was in incredible shape and had a V. And I was like, oh my God, I matched with some guy who has a V. I just don't think I'm a V girl. Like, I feel like I have not earned a V. Oh my, everybody's earned a V. We all deserve a V. And he was like some sort of fancy scientist dude. And so I set up a- Man, the difference between LA in Boston. I have not heard of somebody matching with a, in quotes, fancy scientist dude, I think ever. With a V. Sure. The v, the, v comes in from, the v comes from Everyone LA. Everyone in LA has a V, so yes, that part right. is like, You're, that's pretty no, the, standard. The v, but. the v was actually, I think, the scientist dude, fine. The V was not very Boston. So I had set up a FaceTime with him and the next night mm-hmm. was going to be with this guy who I was like, oh, he seems pretty funny, but like, whatever. Time to do um, Yes. And let's just get it done and then we can wipe the board and maybe I'll revisit this when it's nice out and we're all vaccinated. The V guy. You know, if you have a V, it gives you the, and you're a fancy scientist and you're in Boston where Vs are not all over. It just gives you the right to like not be the, he's fine. He was fine. But I, again, I was like 45 minutes on a FaceTime. I was like, and we're out and we I can watch TV. Done. Yeah. So, and then the next night I talked to the person I am now with and we talked for like two hours and I was like, oh, this is really fun. And, you know. We still call him Beardfish? Yeah. So okay. th- this was a, a complicated thing, which is that ha- in half of the profile photos, he did not have a beard. And I was not that interested. And the other half, he had a beard and I was very interested. And so our close friend, Binyel, said, well, you need to figure out if he's beard fishing you. And I just remember opening the Zoom and seeing a beard and being like, well, thank goodness, because at least we're starting on the right, you know, and we're starting with the right photos. We're starting with the right photos. So, uh, you know, but it was even then it was so slow because then it's winter in Boston. We after the Zoom, we Zoomed, I think, like two weeks later. And then a week after that, we played a game online. And do it, you it think just, that's part of the reason why it worked? A hundred percent. Because I don't think it was as if all these things aligned that wouldn't have ordinarily happened. I was relaxed. I was hopeful about the world. We were about to get a vaccine. I was rested because I had stayed inside for the better part of a year. I was done some professional projects and it was slow as fuck. Mm -hmm. And so 
I got to know this person. I kept saying like all these COVID romances that happened were like Bridgerton times. We're going to walk on the promenade and I'll ask you a question. I was so COVID concerned also because I thought I was high risk and I have high risk people in my life mm. that I didn't let him come inside my house, even like masked. Wow, that sentence to, is about to end so differently. I didn't let him come inside <laughs> my house. Uh, That's I'm broken. I am demented. No, you were correct. No, you were correct. I should have heard it. It was forever. And so I think it was actually best for him too, because he had ended a relationship, seen sure. some people, and also was like, I, you know, I think we were both like, whatever. So do you think that that would, because I think one of the arguments I hear is slow versus fast, just in terms of dating and relationships. I mean, I come from the product of fast. My parents got engaged after two months of dating and they've been together ever since. So, you know, I've seen that work. But I do feel like I hear a lot of TikTok girlies and quote unquote love experts talk about, you know, really holding out or really going slow. I I think it depends because if you know you don't like someone or if you know you are desperate to see them tomorrow, it seems like game playing to be like, well, now I'll whatever. It's hard and it's hard to replicate the reason we were slow. Sure. If I had met him, let's say, at a party during normal times, I think I would have been like, yeah, he seemed nice. And I would have forgotten him days later, not because of him, but because of your life life. But I think if you are someone you wrote to me and said, I don't like anyone, I can't find anyone and I'm going on a million dates, that might be where it's slow. Because I think when you go out with a lot of people and you swipe a lot and you're fucking doing this all the time, it's hard to notice and be present. And I think I was given the time to be like, oh, that was funny or oh, it was just slow. And Mm. so I don't know that it's for everybody, but it's what I needed also because it was never threatening. Well, no, I know the reason why it worked for you as your friend was a set of circumstances that played into disarming all of your defense mechanisms. So I feel like that is why that really worked. And that's why I don't know that it's for everybody. I think some people would be very impatient and be like, is this going to be something or not? Right. But I do think that when I say slow dating, I mean maybe limiting the numbers and and sure. and sort of stopping the amount of hours and sort of when you have less to work with you have to like pay attention to what you're working with that to me is like a good form of doing that which is okay if this is the only person I'm talking to tonight I might pay attention and mm-hmm. notice in a different way. Do you feel like being partnered has actually changed the way that you feel about being able to balance everything? Were you right in your fears all along? No. I was not right, but with the different person, I might have been right. And I think mm. one thing that I'm wrestling with and I have no answers for, could write to an advice column about it, is I'm with a person who gives me a lot of room and who, you know, we don't see each other every night and we don't, you know, I have been able to maintain a lot of the life Autonomy. I had before. Yeah. And he is additive. I mean, that sounds gross because he's not like a some new product I'm trying, you know, but I think I have not had a long relationship where there wasn't like a struggle where I'm like, oh, I think a lot of the relationships I was in were not quite right. So it was either me trying to like after a certain point make it work mm. or, you know, but there's not a lot of work I have to do yet. And it doesn't mean that there won't be if, you know, if things continue as is, but it's like, oh, well, I haven't actually been really tested to be like everything has to be altered because what's not real is saying, well, the right relationship means I don't have to change anything. Because oh that's, yeah. that's not true. No, and that's that, not true. And my friendships change my life. And my therapist always says to me, just don't be worse him than you would be to a friend, which is that I would move heaven and earth for my friends. I would go with them to weird places. I would sit through a boring play. I would... So 
it just means why wouldn't he rank anywhere there? Which and is so funny because I think for most people, your therapist would have to say the opposite. Probably. But that's just based on experience. So I'll say, is it weird that I did this thing with him that I, you know, and she'll say, but you would have done that with your friends. Mm-hmm. Like, but do I feel like it was lame or like what? So I think he has needed his independence too. So it's just interesting to realize that being with someone doesn't mean you get transformed into some weird person who you don't change yeah yeah and also that could be age at 45 i'm like i don't know this is kind of what you get (laughs) sure yeah 100 yeah yeah i can't really do a lot of other and and he is a few years younger than me but he's who he is he can't i like to try people on when i was younger because it was like fun to just go and experience life through their eyes and be like yeah i'm like a skater kid now and oh yeah i guess i'm this indie band girl now and i guess i'm this now and i got to wear all of these people i think i was also just if you're a problem solver like I remember my ex-boyfriend who I had such a heartbreaking breakup with it was a very heartbreaking one-sided breakup but you know even now we're friends and I'll think he once said to me did you think we were gonna like be together forever and get married and I was like oh my god that is ew but here's the Rude. thing. Yeah, obviously I did. Why would I but be I d- you? <laughs> but I didn't. That's the key is that I, I didn't want to get married and have kids. Sure. He, he's married with kids now. I knew he probably wanted that. Mm. So he was like, you're so devastated. he wanted it. He wanted it with someone who wanted it. Yeah. And he wanted it with someone who he was more suited for. But yeah. so when we broke up, he was like, he was said to me, like, I was so surprised at how upset you were because we really got along. But as a romantic couple, we were not a great couple. But I... I thought it was a failure. And Mm -hmm. I was like, but we love each other and care about each other. I can make it work. And so after a certain age, I was like, it either works. I can't really make it work. It's either going to work or it's not. But I can't, like why I was patching together. Why wouldn't I want a person I love to go be with somebody who can be in a great partnership with him? It was that, that took some age and time. Should we take some questions? Yes. What I wanted to do was tell you some questions that I've had in the column recently and see how you would have answered them. Yeah, because I do think it's interesting. Okay, so this is a person who confessed their crush to their married coworker. Drunk at a work party. Confessed that they have a crush on their married coworker? To that married coworker, drunk at a party, said, I wish you were divorced. I would date you if you were divorced. I've always had a crush on you. Make out. They make out. And yep. And now, and we don't know, by the way, if this person's like a boss. I assume not. I'm going to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and say, I assume not. And now this person is basically like stealing glances and like feels excitement when they see the coworker. And, And basically this person is saying, what should I do and why... Why is this desirable to me? The person that wrote in is the married person? Nope, the not married person. Okay, so a not married person confessed to a married person that they have a crush on them, which leads them to make out, and now they work together, and now there's all this attraction and tension, and and he or she doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and it's sort of like, why am I obsessed with this, and why do I, I want this? Yeah, well, I think- Like, what is wrong with me that I am pursuing this? Well, that's a great question, and I would sit with that for a very long time, because I do think that there is something wrong with you so one yes two i think that it's safe you can't it's not going to happen so there's a safety in that and that is what makes the feeling so intense you're able to project all of these ideas of the future what we could be you're able to build up people in your mind in a romantic way that you can't do when you're with them in reality but in terms of why did you feel the need to do this with someone who is married I would ask yourself is it something do they have something that you want Mm -hmm. is it that you actually want to be them if it's this person is super funny or super wealthy or super hot do you want to have those things by association or 
do you feel like it makes you more special to be chosen by somebody who has already promised to another person? Where does that come from? Because I do think, to me, it's very unattractive when somebody is in a relationship. Not hot. And I do think that's linked to when people want people that are married, I would say, not always, but eight, nine times out of ten, it's an it's an insecurity, it's a void that you are filling with that person and they are somehow validating you because if they choose you over their partner, that's a validation and that's that makes you special in a way that you might not feel on your own. That's, yeah. I guess, how I would answer it. Yeah, and it's, you know, for me, I similarly... I'm like, sure you were way nicer. Well, no, but you I thought you were pretty nice. I sort of also wonder if you pursue someone who you know is not good for you. Best case scenario, what, he gets a divorce and you're, what, lined up as the next partner and you're now with somebody who was happy to make out with you even though he's married that's not a great best case scenario so it's just what are you avoiding what are you trying to skip over what are you know it's like I think I think that goes back to the dating fatigue of this is in front of you and looks easier than having to get to know someone too like if you know somebody in the workplace and you get to see them and it's yeah so this person next letter went through a very messy divorce Mm. and jumps into work and jumps into dating again gets married has a kid and is like oh my God, I think I made all of these decisions too quickly and just tried to like reset my life with just a new partner and asks, did I make the same mistake all over again? So was married, ended it, and then basically is like, did I just fucking redo what I just did? Now what do I do? I would say, yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) You're bad. No, I I, I firmly believe in fallow periods. I think we're like farmland. I think that everybody really needs to take the time to heal and properly restore after any relationship. And I do think that you really risk the transference into a new relationship if you don't take that time. But this person didn't do that and they jumped into a relationship and now you have a kid and honestly, make it work. I, I, make it work. There's right. plenty of arranged marriages that work, so make it work. Make it work, yeah. You know? Yeah, and you know, oh, this is, I love this one. Well, we can end with this one, which is what to do when everybody on dating apps says they're too busy to get together. Basically, how long do you give somebody before you're like, we actually haven't met in person? And this is frequent, by the way, that I get letters from people oh, who are really? like, oh my God, we've been communicating for weeks. They're clearly not even trying to sleep with me. It's just like this weird, how long are we supposed to chat? Mm. Yeah, I'm a little cutthroat in this. I mean, one, I have game. So I feel like I, and everybody can have game. I'm just saying I do have it and I'm confident in it. I meet people in real life all the time. However, what I would say is I will dead someone. So if we match and you don't message me or we don't exchange a message or conversely, we do exchange a message and then I don't really hear from you or the conversation, I'll give you a week. If you don't respond within a week, boop, unmatch. I don't care. I'll see you again because it's a small pool anyway. And then if somebody says that they're too busy, I might try and say something that's like cute and clever and sweet to get it back on track and give them one shot before just ending it and and cutting my losses. But these are strangers. And I think you just, I also get it, get off the app as fast as possible. Get a burner phone or like the apps, get an app so that you don't have to use your real phone number and start talking to people that if you like them, you think that they're hot. I only match with people I want to fuck. So if I don't 
like look at somebody and go, you're hot, then I'm not going to match with you. And I talk to them if they have any sort of banter or whatever. I try to move it to like a FaceTime because even in 15, 20 minutes, we're going to know if there's a vibe. And then at that point, there's like some skin in the game. I've only had one FaceTime date that didn't result in me actually going out with the person. And one real date with the person who had three haircuts. <laughs> oh man, that was <laughs> tragic. I'm such an advocate of FaceTime dates. Yeah. But then also just start talking to everybody. Start asking your friends. Just the guy in line at the coffee shop tell him he has cool shoes. I don't know. Just start making conversation because I think like when I've been more positive and just open about where I'm at in dating and in people in general, I see it come back more. So if you are feeling like, oh, everybody is busy. Everybody's rejecting me on the apps. Why don't you just take a pause, delete or re or or pause your app, then come back with a new mindset and try and get people, you know, I just say, hey, sorry, I don't get alerts on here. Do you want to just text me? We can figure out a FaceTime date. I think you're right. And there's so many people who write in or just like, do I have permission to not for a little bit and then build my energy and then get back on there and care a little bit less. So I think, yeah. What would you have said? Yeah, I mean, I have my friend Danielle, when we were younger, always used to say to me, busy is bunk. No one's that fucking busy. No. So yeah, maybe a week, maybe a week and a half. But if they're busy beyond that, after a little communication, you're probably not going to date them anyway, because they're fucking busy. Yeah. So yeah. I don't understand why everybody is out there auditioning for other people. They should be auditioning for you. Well said. It's such a weird thing. I hear people being like, oh, I went on this date and then I just was so worried that he was going to like me. And I'm like, stop. That's where you messed up. Yeah. Do you like this person? Do you want to hold space with this person? Stop worrying about trying to impress people. But that's really the journey too. using the word journey. You have to be in a place where you're like, I'm fucking great. You're lucky to spend time with me. That's true. And not everybody's there. So I think it's a it's a great place to date from when you feel really extra good about yourself. And you don't I mean, care like, look, <laughs> I also hate myself. I, I can multitask. <laughs> yeah. I can juggle. But this, you but... know, you but you know, you're smart and funny and attractive and all of these things that somebody would be lucky to be around. That's very even if on like a random Tuesday, you're like, and it's <laughs> and I'm terrible. <laughs> Meredith Goldstein. <laughs> What is your best dating advice or love relationship advice? Just be kind to yourself. If you don't feel like doing it, you don't have to do it. If you want to do it, do it. But you don't have to do it all night, every night. And this wasn't supposed to be a job. So I think just based on my job and knowing the dating fatigue of it all, we humans, we would not go to a bar back in the day every night and look for people for six hours. So watch a little TV, eat a little food, swipe for 25 minutes, and then read a good book that's okay. You don't have to be working for it every minute. So like decentralize love from your life and prioritize yourself. Yeah. And I'm not sure that quantity of time equals quality and quantity of experiences. I think you can do a little and get a lot and you can do a lot and get a little. So it's you might as well be having a good time. And if people want to find more of you, where do they find you? You can listen to the Love Letters podcast or you can go to boston.com slash love letters. I will link both in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for advising me and having me. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't wait to continue this conversation. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. If you made it this far, I am assuming that you did, in fact, like this episode. So this is the part where I ask you to please follow the show, subscribe to it, rate it five stars, and or leave me a comment. Fun fact, if you're listening on Spotify right now, you can actually leave comments on specific episodes. Fun! That said, I appreciate you regardless, and I hope you have a great week. Thanks again for listening, and see you next Tuesday. (laughs) 